about no preaching machine, but I can't preach a message in 24 minutes. I never have, all right? So uh, uh, hang on. I heard somebody say, you know, I didn't come to church just to go home, you know. And then I heard other one say, you go ahead and preach all you want. I'm going home. And so uh, I found out why Brother Brian uh, never writes any prayer requests down. He has a secretary, uh, his wife, to write it down. I finally figured out why he can't write. <laughs> so pray for him, amen. Put him on your prayer list. But uh, thank God for his wife that can take notes, amen. I appreciate Brother Peterson uh, letting me uh, come and speak for just a few minutes. I hope y'all don't mind if I go over a minute or so. But, uh, you know, pray for your pastor, our pastor. Uh, he's uh, most, one of the humblest men I know. And uh, he's very careful about who he uh, lets behind the pulpit here at First Baptist Church. So I count it, indeed, a real honor to be able to Come and bring forth the Word of God. All right. Uh, if you have your Bibles, if you would, turn to a very familiar portion of the Bible here. The text is 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. And then we're going to look at some more. So I hope you keep your Bibles open. We're going to have several that we're going to be looking at tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And uh, if you would, drop down to verse number 13. I'll be preaching on a subject that I've spoken to in the Sunday school class, uh, but with a few uh, tweaks and turns here. Uh, verse number 13, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that you may be able to bear it. You notice that one word in there, common, common to man. Have you ever uh, maybe gotten away from the Lord and you thought, you know, maybe you thought something, did something, and you thought, why in the world would I ever do that? And, and then you find yourself going back into that, and, and the devil keeps tempting you about doing something else, and you think, well, I'm the only one that ever does something like that. Has the devil ever talked to you about something like that? Nobody's as corrupt as me. Nobody's as sinful as I am, you know, but you know, God tells us that there's no temptation taking us, but that is common to everybody. Because you know what? Everybody's a sinner, amen? Uh, whether you're a saved sinner or a lost sinner. And then if you turn to the right in your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, I want you to look at this one also. 2 Corinthians chapter number 2. The Bible says that God does not tempt any man. So if God doesn't tempt us, somebody else does. And we'll, if you haven't figured that out, we're going to look at it for just a second. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 Verse number uh, 11, the Bible says, it's talking about all these uh, things that come to the church at Corinth. They were a church that was a carnal church, a church that had a lot of problems and a lot of needs, a lot of sin within the walls of the local church there in Corinth. And so Paul was addressing the church at Corinth, and he drops back down to verse number uh, 11, and he says, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. And so I would entitle the message, if I gave it a title, is the one enemy you'll never outrun. And what is that one enemy you'll never outrun? It's temptation. Temptation's going to be with you, and it's going to be me until we see Jesus face to face. You say, well, I, I don't think I'm going to be tempted in such and such an area. You better be careful lest you fall like everybody else that says things like that, too. Uh, we're sinners. Uh, we were born in natural uh, state to sin, and, and that's just going to be with us. Temptation's always going to be there. There's one weapon 
there's one enemy that the devil will use on every one of us that we'll never be able to outrun. No matter where you go, no matter where you are, no matter how spiritual you might try to be or think you are, temptation will always be there. Temptation will always be at the place to greet you and me, no matter how far we run, no matter what stage in our spirituality we think that we are, no matter how strong we think we are, temptation's going to meet you. And so that doesn't mean that you cannot resist temptation, that you can't run from it like Joseph did, but I'll tell you something about it. Temptation will always be around to try to ensnare you and me until the day that we die. We're not going to outrun this enemy. The enemy is temptation, yeah, but we don't have to yield. And we're going to look at this in a second. Satan's bottom line, the very end of his work, his main purpose, his main goal to the child of God is to, uh, is to alienate you and me from God's fellowship. Now, if you're here tonight and you're not saved, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you ought to do that tonight. You ought to trust Christ uh, as your only hope for heaven because he is your only hope for heaven. So if the devil can, he will get you, he will tempt you to put it off and off and off and off and off again until one day you'll wake up in hell and you'll meet him there. But he doesn't stop at that. The devil also will take the child of God who's trying to live for God and he'll work on that Christian, he'll work on that child of God mercilessly through temptation over and over and over. Now, let me say this. If you're saved, he will try to alienate you and me from God's fellowship. Try to alienate us from God's will. Try to alienate us from God's purpose for your life, and you can count on that. There's not a one of us here that doesn't face temptation somewhere along the line, probably every single day of our lives. And it's destroying Christians. It's trying to get Christians out of the Word of God. It'll get Christians, uh, if, once they yield to temptation, it'll get them from praying, and eventually it's going to get them out of church. And before you know it, they won't even recognize themselves as being a child of God or a Christian at all. Now, temptation will come in various degrees of intensity for uh, the devil's effectiveness. And we want to look at that. Someone once said, well, <laughs> uh, I can overcome just about anything except temptation. You know, I, I can resist anything but temptation. You know, <laughs> look, temptation's real and the devil's real. Temptation will come in various degrees of intensity for effectiveness. For example, you say, what are you talking about? For example... Satan might not ever attempt some people with using drugs, but he may tempt someone else with alcohol, profanity. Someone might be tempted to look at pornography, and that's a weakness in their life. But they won't steal. They won't lie because it's something that they can probably cover up. But the temptation's real. And what the devil does, he tries to take that one thing, that one weakness, that one chink in your armor, and he'll work on that crack in your armor. He'll work on that weakness. He'll work on that weak part of your life that you are dealing with day after day after day after day. He'll work on it because he knows where you're weak at. He knows your weakest sin. He knows what will get you and what the temptation that he can throw at you will get you to yield to his will. Now, let me say this. The devil may not tempt one to steal, but he may tempt somebody else to lie and deceive. And that might be that person's weakness. The devil knows that weak area that we, where we are and what he can do to exploit those areas over and over and attack them over and over again and try to snare us. He just never quits. He just never gives up. Have you ever dealt with a sin? 
temptation comes to you, and you've gone to God over and over and over and say, God, I cannot whip this thing. I mean, I didn't think I'd do this again, and yet I find myself thinking this thing, saying this thing, doing this thing over and over and over again, and you get so sick and tired of it. Well, you know, we used to say, well, I hate the devil, and the devil hates me, so that makes us even. Well, the devil, you know, we better be careful because the Bible says we better be careful because uh, lest he take advantage of us and get a jump on us. But we need, to, we need to stay with it. The sad truth is that many Christians are simply ignorant of God's schemes. I'm sorry, of Satan's schemes. Now, what the devil wants to do is get our focus off God. And that's what I want to talk about. He wants us to get our focus off God. He wants to get our focus from which God says is important. He wants to draw our attention to what the devil wants instead of God's will for our lives. Uh, Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as he thinketh in his heart, finish it, so is he. In Matthew 15, would you turn over there real quickly? We've got to really go fast. Matthew chapter number 15. In Matthew 15, would you drop down with me to verse number 19. You know it very well. Matthew 15, verse 19. The Bible says for out of the, what's the next word? Heart. The innermost beings. That thing from whence our mind comes fo into focus from, that inner being of us, the heart, proceed what? Evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but it uh, to eat with uh, wooden washing hands defileth not a man. That, that's pretty bad that comes from the heart. The Bible says that the heart is desperately wicked, and who can know it? I'll tell you somebody that can know it. God knows it. But you know what? The devil will come to temptations, and, and he sees a weakness in our lives. And what we think in our hearts, the Bible says, For out of the heart proceedeth all these things. Let, let me say something here. Uh, this past week, uh, was in, I was in Sunday school, taught a Sunday school class. We had... Uh, Sunday morning service, Sunday night service, three hours of meetings. And by the time I got home, my cowboy boots were too tight on my toe. <laughs> I, I took my to uh, boot off and my toe, my right toe, my right foot was swelling up like a banana. I mean, that thing hurt so bad. It was swollen up, it was red. I don't know why, but it hurt. In the middle of the night, about 2.30 in the morning, anybody ever get a leg cramp or a foot cramp in the middle of the night? Amen. <laughs> and your toes just curl up like that. I jump out of bed. Well, I didn't jump out of bed. I slid out of bed. And I was going like this. I was, oh, my toe, my toe, my toe. But I couldn't walk because my foot had, had cramped and my toes was swollen and I was stumbling falling and looking for something and, and, and I asked my wife, I said, do you have one of those extra strength Tolenols? Amen. I need something bad, you know. But you know what? <laughs> the only thing I could think about was that stinking toe. I didn't think about the services we had, the decisions that were made, the messages we heard, everything else. The only thing that I could think about in my mind was that hurting toe. You know, the, the devil gets us that way sometimes. Right. Something comes in our way, whether it's sin or some temptation we're faced with, and that's the only thing that we can think about. We're going to look at some examples about that in just a second. Uh, it, to that area of temptation that Satan has us to dwell on, 
is what he uses and intensifies in order to draw us away from God. And that's his scheme. It really is. That's his plan. He wants us to focus on what he wants instead of what God wants for our lives. In John chapter 10, verse 10, the Bible says, The thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and destroy. I am come that you might have life and that you might have it how? More abundantly. But the devil wants us to focus on what he wants us to focus on. And so that's why a lot of Christians are out of sorts with God. God has given to us some great examples. I'm going to give us three or four uh, in his word tonight that we can learn from this matter called temptation. I said the one enemy that you'll never be able to outrun, that one enemy is temptation. I got news for every one of us tonight. Every one of us carry temptation around with us every day and most of the night. I guarantee. And, and I know what your temptation that you carry with you every day. I know the temptation that you probably carry with you. 95% of these people in this church carries with them. You know what it is? I got one right here I'm carrying. Uh, this is a temptation. Not only for our young people and for our teenagers, but for adults. And the devil will use this thing to ruin the life of a child of God that's trying to live for Jesus. We carry this thing around day after day, night after night, not, and the devil, if you're not careful, he will get a Christian ruined, seeing things and hearing things that ought not see and ought not have a part of. And we'll get our eyes focused on something like that. Now, I don't know what your weakness is, but God does. And the devil knows it too. He's going to attack it time and time again. God gave us, I believe, would you take your Bibles and turn to the book of Genesis chapter 3. You know where I'm going, don't you? I'm glad you do because I don't. Genesis chapter 3. I'll prove to you tonight, if you don't get anything else, good, now I've got 11 minutes. If you don't learn anything else tonight, you're going to learn one thing, is temptation also begins with the eyes. Eyes. In Genesis chapter number 3, look at verse number 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord uh, uh, God had made and said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, Oh, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Now God didn't say that one part, neither shall you touch it. She just threw that in there for kicks. And verse number uh, 4, And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. He's a liar from the start. For God doth know that in the days you eat thereof, your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman, what's that next word? Saw. When the woman saw, of all the trees in the Garden of Eden, all the fruit there, all the beauty of all the trees in the garden, the devil had her to focus on one tree on one tree, on one fruit that caused the fall, that caused sin, that caused expulsion from the garden. That one tree, they had it made. Before there was no temptation there until he wriggled his way in there. And the devil used the eyes of Eve. Now, I blame Adam more than I do Eve because in the previous verses, you'll see where God spoke to Adam and before Eve was even created from the ribs of Adam. He told Adam not to eat of that tree. Evidently, Adam... Uh, pass it on to Eve after uh, God created Eve. But he gave that specific command to Adam first. 
So I put the blame on him too, just as much as anybody else. God used the eyes first, and the Bible says that when Eve looked around and everything was perfect, everything was in paradise, the thing that she looked at that the devil had her attention to first was what? He, she saw. Her eyes saw one thing. She took her eyes off the, the beauty of the garden, the, the fellowship with God, the walking in the cool of the evening with God, and the only thing that she could focus was what the devil had her focus on, and that's that one tree, that one fruit. But let's not stop there. Uh, let's look at 1 John. Uh, turn back over there. I know you're going from side to side of your Bible. But in 1 John, I hope I can find it. Amen. 1 John chapter number 2. I don't have tabs in this Bible, so help me, Jesus. 1 John chapter 2, verse number 16. 1 John 2, 16. For all that is in the world... The lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Isn't that the three things that the devil focused Eve's attention on? Yeah. The lust of the flesh, fruit that was good to eat, flesh. The lust of the eyes, the beauty of that tree, the beauty of the fruit, and the pride of knowledge. Well, your eyes will be open and you'll be just like God. Hmm? The devil knows how to get to each and every one of us. He knows every weakness you've got. He knows where you're the weakest, and he'll attack that over and over and over again. So even the garden. And then take your Bibles, please, the Old Testament again, the book of Joshua. The book of Joshua, chapter number 7. Joshua Chapter number 7. Remember when God had his people to go over in, into uh, Jericho and defeat the enemies? Wall came down and everything. What did God instruct his people to do? He said, I want you to go in there. And I want you to destroy the people. I want you to destroy the enemy. And he says, and I want you to take the spoil of that. He says, I want you to bring the, the, the gold and the silver and, and the valuables for the temple of God. And uh, that was their commandment. But what did, he do? what did they do? They went in, they did everything they supposed to do, and then there was a guy by the name of Achan. He saw a good Babylonish garment, a wedge of gold, and some silver, and he took that after the battle was all over, and then he, they went back, uh, back into the uh, land after the battle was over, and things didn't go quite right. God told the army of Israel then, he says, I want you to go on, and I want you to finish this off in uh, a little bit further up north to the uh, country of Ai. Remember the Battle of Ai? They went up there and they said, oh, just give us a couple thousand men. We'll go over there and we'll overtake these people real quickly. I mean, we can, we're able to do this. At the same time, Achan had his stuff buried in his tent. The battle didn't go too good. There was a few people there in Ai, and two or 3,000 Israelites couldn't beat them, and they slaughtered 36 of uh, Israelites. They came back defeated. And God says, something's wrong here. Joshua said, God's what is it? And God told him, you know, somebody's been disobedient until this thing is done. You're not going to have victory in your life. You're not going to have victory in this army. And so you know the story how they got on and on and on with uh, trying to eliminate who, who was the problem. What sin kept them from victory in the battle that they were in? In Joshua chapter 7, I'll turn there too. In Joshua chapter 7, look down if you would to verse number 20. 
7, verse 20. And Anchor, uh, I'm sorry, and Achan answered Joshua and said, they, they, they got close to home and they, it, it, the, the lots came to Achan now, and they're in his tent. And Achan said, Joshua, and Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and thus and thus have I done. What's those next three words? When I saw. You might want to mark that. When I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonish garment, and 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold, uh, 50 shekels weight, then I coveted them and took them, and behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent and the silver under it. Again, the devil used the eyes to covet and to lust after something that he did not and could not have for himself. So he took it. The devil's a slow fox. And he will use that temptation with the eyes like nobody's business. And he is persistent at it. He will stay with it. And then there's another one in 2 Samuel chapter 11. Would you turn there real quickly? 2 Samuel chapter number 11. Just keep going to the right in your Bible. 2 Samuel chapter number 11. I've really got to speed it up. I got four or five minutes uh, to preach the next hour, okay? So hang in there, tighten your seatbelt. 2 Samuel chapter 11. 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse number 2. And it came to pass in an eventide that David, who was king of Israel at the time, his armies were out fighting the battles and war, but he stayed at home. He had a, he had a neighbor who had a beautiful wife. The neighbor was Uriah. Bathsheba was the name of his wife, a very beautiful woman. David, instead of being in the battle, did something else. Verse 2, and it came to pass even tide that David rose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, what's the next two words? He saw. He saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful. Uh, to look upon, and you know the rest of the story. And as a result, because of the temptation that came to him through his eyes, what happened? His baby died. He committed adultery. He had uh, the husband killed, and it went on into his family, death and murder and, and rebellion and everything else that happened in David's life, and he lived a miserable life for years. Why? Because of the temptation with the eyes, with the sight. Let me give you one more. Uh, Elijah, uh, First Kings. Uh, you should be uh, to the right a little bit more. First Kings, if you turn there real quickly, and we'll try to wrap this up. First Kings chapter number 19. First Kings chapter number 19. And look in verse number 1. First Kings 19 verse 1. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Remember, he just came back from a great victory, right? Of the 450 false prophets of Baal that he just slew. Right? Well, God slew him. And he saw what God had done. Now, like David, David didn't look at the battles that God had won for him. David didn't look at his position as king of all Israel. The only thing that he could focus his attention upon that the devil had was a beautiful woman. Bathsheba. Now we're looking at something else. Here is a great victory that God gave uh, to Elijah with the slaying of the 450 prophets of Baal, and look what happened. Uh, what verse am I in? One. Yeah, I knew that, just seeing if you knew it. 
And Ahab told Jezebel, uh, Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger, uh, a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make uh, not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow <clears throat> about this time. And when, what's the next two words? He saw. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life, when he understood what Jezebel was about to do for him. Now, Instead of seeing the great victory that God wrought in the slaying of the 450 prophets of Baal, the only thing that he could see was one hellish, wicked woman coming after him. He couldn't see what God had done in his life. And you can go on and on and on throughout the Old Testament and the New, and you can see examples over and over again how the devil would get people's, uh, I mean good people, godly people, people trying their best to live for God. And what happens He'll get their focus on one thing and forget all the blessings and all the things that God has done for him and focus on that one thing to destroy that person's life. There's some people that are not in church now, in any church, because the devil got their eyes on something else besides what God's plan and will for them was. They forgot the blessings here and they forgot the blessings there and they forgot what God has done in the past. And made, the devil made their focus, and they got tunnel vision on that one thing and literally destroyed their lives. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, that great uh, preacher uh, of the late 17th century and early 18th century, Spurgeon said, some temptations come to the industrious, but all temptations come to the idle. Have you heard that the idle mind is the devil's workshop? Sure you have. The Bible says that when Elijah saw that, he arose and went for his life. He had his focus on Jezebel, not on the victory that God gave in slaying of the 450 prophets of Baal. What was the result? He failed to trust God. And ran from the threat of a woman. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth taketh, uh, take heed lest he fall. 1 Thessalonians 5, 6. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Now, that's just the introduction. I'll get to the meat of the message now, okay? <laughs> we often say to ourselves, why did I do that? I knew better than to do that. Have you ever asked yourself that? Something that you did that was stupid? Something that was sinful? Something that you thought you'd never go back to do again? Have you ever done that? Am I the only one here that's such a, a wicked reprobate? No. Uh, there's a bunch of us sinners here. And you ask yourself, why did I do that again? You go, I could have had a V8. I mean, look at this. This is so stupid. And you wonder why you do that. You say, I knew better than to do that. You sure did. But you went ahead and did it anyway, didn't you? Just like I do at times. Go ahead and do it again. Temptation, you'll never outrun it because wherever you run, how far you run and how fast you run, it's going to meet you at the end of the race. It's going to be there. That's why we better get into the Word of God and know it. We better get into the Word of God and see what the devil's trying to do to God's people. It's ruining them by the eyes and what we see and what we hear. And we're losing a generation of people today simply because they don't know the tricks and the wiles of Satan himself because they don't get into the Word of God. The Bible is filled with examples of great men and women of God who fell because they got their one focus on one thing and forgot everything else about God. God help us. 
in Genesis 39, we don't have time to look at it, we see that Joseph was in Potiphar's house as a slave. Remember the story? Sure you do. Nod your heads. You know. And a woman tried to go after him. Remember that? She said, you know, my husband's gone with a bag of money. He'll be back at the point in time. Come lie with me. Try to get him in bed. He said, no, I can't do that. I'm not going to disgrace and, and let my God down. Besides, my own reputation's at stake. He thought, you know what? Joseph kept his eyes and focus on the big picture. What is that big picture? Is honoring God. Honoring God. You think he was not tempted? Yeah, he left and she reached out for him and grabbed his tunic from him and he ran on out there and she held and says, you know, when her husband came back, he tried to rape me. Spent 17 years in prison. Hey, that's what he gets for obeying God, right? But not really what happened to Joseph. Became second under command of Pharaoh and saved nations of people. Why? He kept his eyes on the big picture. We think, hey, look, I, I, I do my best in living for God, and yet all these things come to me, all the trials and tribulations and afflictions that come to me, and yet all these things happen to me. They're not happening to you for no reason. God has a purpose for us going through things like that. Our faith is built up like that. The only thing we're going to have to be aware of is that we don't get tunnel vision, what the devil puts our, face, our eyes on, our vision on. What's your vision tonight? What is it? What's that one thing the devil uh, has you spend most of your time doing? What is it? Joseph didn't know God's plan, how his focus would be, and how God would use him to save Egypt and his own family from starvation in the future. Psalm 34, if you turn there real quickly, and then I've got the... I've got to close. I guess I do. Y'all in a hurry to go, but we'll, we'll do it. Amen. I got to get up at four o'clock, so I got to go. Psalm 34. If you turn over there, don't you don't you love these stories in the Bible? These events that happen that would challenge us. I, I do. I, I love it. It brings to light my sin. So I can repent of God, you know, and get things right. And Psalm, what did I say, 34? Yes, sir. Just checking you out, see if you're listening. The Bible says in verse 19, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of some of them. Out of them all, all of them. And then very toward the end of your Bible, Second Peter Second Peter chapter number two. Second Peter chapter two. Would you look in verse number nine? Second Peter two, verse number nine. The Bible says, The Lord, the Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations. And to reserve the unjust until the day of judgment to be punished. Colossians 3.2 reminds us that we ought to set our affection, that's our mind, our hearts, on things above and not things on the earth. Folks, don't get tunnel vision. The devil will use that to destroy you and take you away from the will and plan of God for your life and mine. Philippians 4.8 says, uh, all these things that are pure and holy and just says, What? Think on these things. The things that God would have us to think. 
You know, we need to set our minds on Christ and keep focused on him and keep in, uh, the big picture in mind. It's like a telescope. God says, I have a will and a plan for your life. Amen. And if you get tunnel vision, you get, uh, when temptation comes and you begin to yield to the devil, <clears throat> begin to yield and, and taste of that apple or whatever it was in the garden as Eve did, and forget all about what God's blessed you with, then you're in for a big fall, and so am I. How easy it is to get tunnel vision from the devil and temptation and let all the things, all the blessings, all the things he's done for us from God to go to the wayside. That's why people get discouraged. That's why people quit praying. That's why Christians quit reading their Bible. Because the devil has got their attention on something else. I said before when we started, we are carrying temptation with us day and night. And even some go to bed with this. Be careful. Be careful. I heard one preacher say one time about Facebook. Now it's X, right? Is that it? No, that's Twitter. <laughs> I heard one preacher say one time anyway about Facebook at that time. <laughs> Quit laughing at me. You're getting my mind off it. He said, some of you need to get your face out of Facebook and put your face in the book. Amen? Amen. I like that. We need to get our faces off Facebook and put it in the book. Because this is nothing but temptation. This is great. You can learn a lot of stuff from this. <laughs> but you can learn a lot of stuff that the devil will put your focus on too. Amen. Well, you say, well, preacher, you shouldn't have offended me with stuff like that. Uh, I'm sorry, I thought you were already offended. You know, all this other times that you've heard, you know. But I didn't mean to offend anybody. Because I'm just as guilty as anybody else in this room. Of, of, of having my focus on something else besides what God has for me. <clears throat> if you're here today <clears throat> and you're not saved, won't you trust Christ as your Savior? If you're here today and you've never received Christ as your only hope for heaven, Jesus loves you. He wants the best for your life. All you have to do is trust his death, burial, and resurrection as your only hope for heaven. For God so loved you, he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, to die for you and me. Very simple. Trust him. Amen. Allow him to take you from what level you're at right now. And trust him as your only hope for heaven. Would you do that? If you're here and you're saved tonight, and your focus is on something else, the devil is relentless. He'll continue to work, pulling you further and further and further away from God. I know people right now, they're so far away from God, they used to be firebrands for Jesus, but now they don't read their Bibles anymore. They no longer go to church. Seldom pray. If you ask if they're a Christian, oh yeah, I'm going to heaven. What got your focus? I'll tell you what got your focus away from Jesus. Is that temptation that you yielded to. We sing the song, yield not to temptation for yielding is sin. And he goes, I, I love that song, but it's so convicting. <laughs> and so God help us to center our focus and our attention upon what he has for us. Don't let the devil take you away from what God has planned for our life. Shall we bow our heads and we'll be praying? And then I guess we'll be going home.
All right. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for your word that you give to us, Lord, uh, uh, to live by. It's a manual for life. And Father, if we neglect your word, Father, we're sure to be tempted somewhere along the line. In areas that we're weak, the devil will exploit that. He's relentless. The Bible teaches us to resist the devil and he will flee from us. So help us tonight. Help us to deal with this temptation that focuses our attention upon that which is wrong and away from God. In Jesus' name, amen.